The following program, The Kitchen Table Progressives, is sponsored by The Kitchen Table Progressives and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of News Web Radio Company or its management. Welcome to another edition of Kitchen Table Progressive here on AM820 WCPT, Chicago Progressive Talk. Paul Richardson here, inviting you to join us around the table for another world of casual conversation on, on law, civics, and politics, driving the current issues where the menu is progressive and the table manners are unapologetically liberal. Hey, you know, uh, it's time. It's funky time again. I'm... You know, every time I get back in the saddle, behind the microphone, or where, am I behind the microphone or in front of the microphone? Well, whatever. I like to be in front of the microphone. I'm not behind nothing, man. I'm, I'm in front of it. But, you know, I, I wasn't feeling too good today. Just kind of slow and kind of bloated. Just feeling, just, ugh, not feeling. But you know what? Back in the saddle, when it's time to go, I feel great. I just, I feel great getting on the radio. Every time I get on the radio, I feel great. I feel like it's let's go. It's 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 game time. Let's let's move. So anyway, uh, this week on the program, Trump wins the Michigan primary. Uh, Nikki Haley gets though thirty percent, just about no, a little under thirty percent, I think. Uh, but uh, Trump wins Michigan. Uh, Joe Biden uh, wins handily in Michigan, but uh, tens of thousands of uncommitted votes, uh, primary voters. Uh, they didn't vote for Trump, but they voted uncommitted. We'll talk about that. You can talk about what that means. I have some ideas about what it means. Apparently, a lot of these people in Dearborn, Michigan, where I grew up near there, grew up in, in the uh, in the city right next to there. I grew up in Westland. It was originally Garden City, became Westland. Originally, it was actually Nankin Township. Nankin Mills Township is where I was born. Uh, I, was, I was born in Detroit, but lived in Nankin Mills Township. So um, we'll talk about that. Uh, what what is Nikki Haley's function in the in the in the Republican race for president and, and in the election in general? Uh, what's that? We'll talk about that. Bonnie Willis takes the stands again in Georgia and defending her uh, or having to account for her personal relationship with Nathan Wade. What is the significance? What is the significance of this relationship in terms of its of Trump of its conflict of interest with Donald Trump? And why is the timing of their, why is the timing of the relationship relevant to the Trump prosecution? This is just a crazy, uh, ridiculous uh, story. Should Wade be required to leave the prosecution team? I, I guess if that's what has to happen, I don't think that's really going to make a difference. I really don't. And would that affect the case? And what would that? I mean, would that affect the case? I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, but our top story, really, the Supreme, Supreme Court takes on the Trump immunity case. How is this going to affect the prosecution? Well, obviously, let's talk about what this means. I, you know, I'm sorry, but our federal judiciary is a ringer for a criminal. It is. The Supreme Court, some of the federal courts around Donald Trump, this this uh, alien cannon down in um, 
in Florida, appointed by Trump. Look at this. In the federal cases, let's see. Let's count up the judges. We have nine justices of the Supreme Court and two federal judges. That's what, 11 judges, right? Of the 11 judges that are involved in, federal judges that are involved in Trump prosecution, four of them were appointed by Trump. That's not a conflict of interest that more than a third, more than a third of the judges were appointed by, that's, that's not, uh, th- these people should all recuse. Three of them, D- Donald Trump, this criminal, this illegitimate criminal, appointed a third, one third of the judges, of the justices on the Supreme Court, and half of the judges that are presiding in the in the federal cases. The Eileen Cannon and, and uh, Judge Chutkin, Tanya Chutkin, are the two federal judges. He appointed one of them. And the Supreme Court is going to take on this immunity case, which the uh, D.C. Appeals Court of Appeals had, we thought, sealed up. Three judges... Uh, I think they, they wrote an airtight or watertight or whatever you want to call it. Watertight's better, right? A watertight opinion that his, uh, he did not have immunity. But let's look at what is, what are, is the Supreme Court considering? Immunity from what? It's not just anything. This, you have to think about this and why the Supreme Court took this up. They are basically trying to knock off these cases one at a time. Okay, so think about this. They didn't, they can't speak to the state charges. Oh, or can they? Uh, well, they can't speak to the, the case, the, the campaign finance violation case, the so-called hush money case that involved Stormy Daniel. They can't speak to that because that was before Trump was president. That was campaign candidate Donald Trump. So that, he doesn't have immunity there. Um, I don't think he has immunity in the espionage case. It's an espionage case. It's not a documents case. It's an espionage case. He doesn't have immunity there because that was after he was president. So the only case they can be talking about is the fixed case. Right? That's the one that we're talking about. Does he have immunity? All right, now think about this. When the D.C. Circuit Court wrote their opinion, they said that a president may have, the president, Trump, may have had uh, some immunity within the scope of the duties of his office, but he acted way outside the scope of his duties of his office. Okay, there's something kind of missing. You know, legalese and and academic writing often uses this, what's called passive voice. In other words, they don't identify <laughs> the subject. He was outside the scope of his duties when he did what? Right? When he did what? There has to be an action in here somewhere, right? And so, uh, I think we were talking about, he's, what's he being prosecuted for? They said he wasn't immune he had no immunity because he he would have immunity if he he would have as i said he would have some immunity for uh actions taken within the scope of his office 
That's not, that. That's just kind of that's easy to, to anybody can tell that. Yeah, you can't prosecute if if a if a person was acting within the du- within the scope of the duties of their office. You can't prosecute him afterwards. For instance, if he if he signed into law a bad law, if he signed into a law an unconstitutional law, I don't think you can prosecute him for that because if the law was later determined to be unconstitutional, it's not his fault. He's not supposed to be the judge of whether the law the Congress passed is constitutional. He's just signing it. So, okay, I'll, I'll sign it. It's up to the courts to decide later. Shoot the law down and then, you know, overturn it, throw it out if it's unconstitutional. So when the D.C. court says uh, he, had, he may have had some immunity in the scope, due to the scope of his office, but he didn't, he, when he, but he was way outside when he did what? And so now the Supreme Court is taking up the, the case of whether he had immunity when he did what? <laughs> when he incited an insurrection on January 6th. Are, really, are they really going to say that? Is there really still a question here? Is it really? I'm sorry, but you got a third of the Supreme Court are ringers for, for Trump. We know they are. Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh. Beerbong Brett and handmaiden Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, and uh, what, what was his, what's our nickname for Gorsuch? Uh, Shoein Gorsuch. This is the one where uh, the stolen the stolen seat that that President Obama was prevented from filling when, when Anton Scalia passed away in February of 2016, and Mitch McConnell. Well, I was. What did Mitch McConnell say about that? He said, oh, doesn't Mitch McConnell sound like, um, he sounds like Pa. Remember Hillbilly Bears, the cartoon with the the bears, the three bears? There was uh, Ma Bear, Pa, and then there was the the little, then there was Pa, who was like, and then there was Shag, the little bear, who always, he would always tell you what Pa said. What's that, Pa? You say, <laughs> blast them hoppers. What's that, Pa? You're going to blast the hoppers? You know, he, he'd always say that. But that's what Mitch McConnell sounds like. But anyway, Mitch McConnell obstructed the, um, the, the, the uh, appointment of what would have been Merrick Garland. And he could have done probably less damage on the court. He might have been, an, uh, he was a judge. He was the, the chief judge of the D.C. Circuit Court. And why did we have him? Let's remind ourselves, where did Merrick Garland come from? Barack Obama, President Obama, asked Orrin Hatch, Republican Senator Orrin Hatch, who would you guys confirm? If I, if, who, would I, who could I nominate that you would confirm? And Orrin Hatch said, well, Merrick Garland. So he asked a Republican senator in a Republican-dominated Senate, who would you, who would you guys confirm? And he said, Orrin Hatch. And so it turned out, though, Mitch McConnell wasn't going to hear anybody's, wasn't going to hear uh, hearings for anybody, which, by the way, I, I agree with everybody uh, who says that, and this is not my idea, that Barack Obama should have just said, you waive your right to, uh, to um, advise and consent. If you're not going to hold hearings, I shouldn't say you're right. You waive your power. You waived your power to advise and consent when you won't, ho- when you won't hold hearings, because it says the Senate, these are under the powers of the by the way this says under article two so we're talking about powers of the president 
Remember, when we're talking about government. We're talking about not rights. We're, don't don't say the word right. When you're talking about the government, so I have a right. The government has a right to this. They have a right. No, people have rights. There are some places in the government when, when the government has a right to vote. When Congress has a right to vote, the Constitution does say it, a right to vote. But that's with it talking about within their powers. So when we're talking about Article Two, it's the powers of the president. The po- president has the power to make uh, judicial appointees with advice and consent from the Senate. So they wave the Senate waves their their um, their power. They waive their power if they're not going to do it. So Barack Obama should have just said, "Okay, so I'm I'm putting Merrick Garland on the court. That's it, and bring it to a constitutional." crisis a constitutional impasse because you know what if he would have just gone to court i know what the court would have said that's a political issue that's a political question and we won't rule on it until somebody pushes it to an impasse and that's what president obama should have done so now we have three ringers that are for trump and they are trying there i can't imagine i don't know what why would they take up the case and by the way to grant what's called certiorari that's to take the appeal. Sushiorari is the court asking, asking for the case to be, they, they want the case to be handed to them. They're asking for the case. This is a little bit different concept than what the Constitution describes as the cases they should hear. This, the, in the Constitution, it describes cases that they are, uh, they are duty-bound to hear. But that's not the way the, the court works anymore since about 100 years ago. Since the... Uh, Former President William Howard Taft was uh, was named the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He was the tenth Chief Justice. He was named by by Warren uh, G. Harding as the Chief Justice. Uh, William Howard Taft, more than anything, wanted to be the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Um, and so more than president, and he wanted to reform the court. And what he wanted to do is limit how the court hears cases by. Uh, the doctrine of certiorari, which is they will ask to hear the cases they want to hear from the lower courts and say, we would like to, please give us that case. We will take that case. Um, if, if, the, if the litigants, if, if there's a, a party that wants to hand it up, okay, we'll take it. They don't do it where they, that's not anymore like it used to be, um, that they, they're described in the Constitution, the, the types of cases that the Constitution requires them to hear. They're not doing that anymore. You can look at Article 3. It says the kinds of cases that they can hear. They, they don't have to take those cases, and they don't. And what the, what the court is doing now is, first of all, wasting time. They're waiting till April 22nd to hear this immunity case. Why? By the way, they haven't told us anything about Colorado, right? Whatever happened to that? That, was, that just went into the, you know, into the, where's that gone? The Colorado uh, on the, on the um, and these are these are these cases have shelf life. It's an election year, remember, and so the time is the clock is ticking. And so uh, whether Donald Trump, uh, it's probably too late. He's on the ballot. He's on the primary ballot uh, in Colorado. I don't think that's so much uh, the issue with uh, that ballot. It's whether he's on the real ballot on. Uh, that's coming up, but that's in December. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, take your calls at 773-763-9278. Right? When we come back, 773-763-9278. And we'll be right back.
Hey, Paul Richardson back with you here on Kitchen Table Progressive for a Sunday evening uh, here on AM820 WCPT Chicago. Those progressive talk. And uh, we have some calls, so uh, we, we only have an hour, you know, so let's get right to them. Let's get to Jim in Chicago. Jim, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Paul. Do you recall when uh, Nancy Pelosi ripped up that demented speech? <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the State of the Union? Well, this is the Republicans' chance to rip up the Constitution yep. and have Trump on his first day declare that General Melissa O'Flynn will be will be taking our orders from the general. Yep. And uh, he'll decide that maybe uh, forget the Constitution, just we'll put one of his sons in. Who's the youngest? Uh, Barron? I think he could probably put Barron in. He, because he doesn't have to leave until he goes out to leave first. He has to, everybody's got to come to their own demise, and he's got to come to it. So when he finally dies in the White House, he'll take him off feet first. Yep. And then and then he could declare somebody else as a president, though. Yeah. Of the United States. Oh, yeah, this is the divine right monarchy. This is the, this well, is the yeah, Trump. Absolutely. Yeah, is the yeah Trump. absolutely. Yeah, yeah this is the, the Trump family. The Trump dynasty, you know, they're, they're, they'd be no no different than the Romanovs. They'd be the Romanovs of Russia, right? Uh, exactly. The, yeah, exactly. The, the, Trump, the Romanovs, yep. And the Russians are Baron the Great, right? Right, yeah. and he can have Putin, he can have Putin come, uh, come and give us exercise in, in, in uh, democracy, uh, in the United States, he could, you know, he could become a guest speaker at the White House. Oh, Putin will be, Putin will be staying at the White House. Putin will be, yeah, it'll be his, it'll be Moscow too. It'll be Moscow too. He'll be staying. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. And we're all going to be. Yeah. Start brushing up on your Russian. Start learning your Russian alphabet. Uh, because you know that's what they said. If it wasn't for, you know, hey, what what they used to say? Uh, he said. We, the conservatives used to say to the France, you know, remember when we had the freedom fries? Hey, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for us, you'd also be speaking German, you know. And uh, yeah, well, if, if it wasn't for Trump, I, I I'll tell you what, um, this the, the the court is getting in the way of this. Um, I mean, just let me let's just let me finish up this thought about what they're doing here. Is that they cannot? Uh, okay, so the. The first case, the, the Alvin Bragg thing, this, this uh, campaign finance uh, hush money, this is before he was president, and the, the, the espionage case was after he was president. Uh, you notice they haven't uh, – so the, the only case that was while he was president was well, what he's being prosecuted for. They have to have a – when he did what? When he, when, he, when he committed – when he incited an insurrection. And let me, let me just say this, Jim, is that – uh, we don't use anymore. We always talk about uh, yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. That was the imminent, uh, pres- uh, the um, the uh, and present danger standard from 1919. Actually, in 1969, the court developed a new standard called the imminent threat standard. Okay, imminent threat means did your speech, did the speech that you use, could it be construed to cause or uh, you know a direct and imminent threat? Well, I would say that if you say. We're going to go to the Capitol, and I'm going to go with you, and we're going to fight like hell. And in less than an hour, a riot breaks out at the Capitol. Whether you're there or not, I'm sorry, you incited it. Isn't he? What about, what about, Jenny, what about Jenny Thomas's culpability? That's never been explored. 
yeah. I, I know that she paid. She she probably paid for some of those buses. You know, those those protesters were middle aged. But they were living in the best hotels in Washington. I don't know if you've ever been to Washington D.C. and rented a hotel there. They're they're expensive. Yeah, because not they lately. had some. Uh, well, yeah, but the point is, but what's her culpability in this? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is all unexplored. But real quick, uh, Paul, I, I can't wait till Nikki Haley gets out of this race because I think she's. She's just muddying up the waters, to be frank with you. This really? idea that she's younger. You know, she's just pointing out that she's 40 years younger than these other two candidates. That, that's her yeah. claim to fame. So as soon as he, she gets out, now we'll be back to Mr. Uh, demented demented versus yeah. of a person who's still got his marbles, you know, in, in, in right. Biden, Joe Biden. Because I've heard psychiatrists say that he's definitely got uh, Alzheimer's disease. So once uh, she's out the, of that, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he does. He's possible. got advanced Alzheimer's. Well, I have you ever heard any of his contemporaneous uh, speech? I mean, he, once he's off the teleprompter and he has those uh, stooges standing in front of him, uh, paid uh, contestants in front of him, they'll be will be in shock. How, yeah. how well, you know what? Uh, this man's mind is. Ron Reagan Jr., whom I've met. Uh, he had a radio program in Seattle. Uh, I've met him. He, well, not when I talked to him, but he has acknowledged that the family knew at the near the second half of, of Reagan's first term that he had Alzheimer's. They knew that. Yes, yes. And he sure. clearly did in his second term. And how, how the, the right wing was outraged that anybody would suggest that the president, uh, perhaps when he said, well, now I don't recall. In all of the Yon Rand country, he just said, well, now I don't recall. Uh, that, I mean, no, so he, he did, and I have to tell you, Ronald Reagan sounded a hundred times more con- coherent than Trump ever did. Ever did. So, yeah, I think. That's true. That's true. At least you can read his script. Yeah, so. I mean, this guy is, is unbelievable. But anyway, this well, is. He, uh, how he much did you usurp? Think of, what, he spend, what is the taxpayer spent on the screwball in these court cases? All these oh. uh, federal, uh, federal lawyers and, and, and judges and usurping the court. No business except his business. And no yeah. business besides Republican business for the last right. 10 years. If it's not Republican, uh, they're not going to do business. Look at the Roe versus Wade, uh, the, yeah. the decision that let all the money in the world into politics. I mean, these are all Federalist yeah. Society insane ideas. But anyway, Paul, enough of my stuff. I, I can't believe we're in this situation, but I think it will be fine once Bailey finally pulls out of this. And we get down to the steak and potatoes of this deal. All right, thanks, okay. Paul. Thank you. Th- thank you, Jim. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe Nikki Haley, it's, that will actually expose the, this, oh, God, it's like we need, it's, this is a nightmare that just won't end. Okay, let's go to uh, Dave in Hoffman Estates. Dave's next. Dave, how you doing? Hey, Paul. Yeah, you're all yeah. right, yourself? The, uh, yeah. You mentioned on uh, the, the Supreme Court, well, uh, there was a news flash that they're meeting at a special session tomorrow. And many are speculating that it's probably going to be about if they're going to be overriding Colorado and Maine and Illinois now about keeping Trump off the ballot. Well, they're going to override him and get him on. That's what they're speculating. They're supposed to be tomorrow. 
Yeah. Well, that's going to be. That. An, that's I, I didn't hear about that, but that's I've been waiting for that. It's going to be an interesting case because um, here's here's the interesting thing. They are the court normally they like to rule make very narrow rulings. In other words, they they like to rule specifically on let's say Colorado can't do this because in that case X Y and Z and that's why they can't. But now with the multiple cases coming up. They're going to have to. They would have to, you know, have to take all comers one at a time. So now, if they want to shut the whole damn thing down, they're going to have to make a much broader ruling about something about the Fourteenth Amendment, such as oh, it's not self-activating. Congress has to first pass a law. I don't know where that comes up. That to pass a statute uh, to, to to. It's kind of like the software is in place. You just have to make uh, it's so, it's software capable. It's you know it's a. Uh, you just, but you have to write a program. You have to write an app. You don't have an app yet. You don't have a law yet. It's just it's it's capable of accepting a law. Um, yeah. that, that I don't know. That can try, they, that's the kind of the analogy you could use. Yeah. But we'll see what it's happens. Kind of I'm interested to hear what, what they have to say. Yeah, kind of amazing though that they can move at lightning speed there when they want to. Uh, Considering well, yeah, when they, Colorado, when they they're, they're going to be voting on Tuesday. Fifth. Yeah, and I think uh, Maine also. So, uh, but yet these other ones they they keep punting it down the field. You know, and he's you know biting the fingernail that he's going to get it to that it'll be after the election. You know that. Oh, if and, at all, if at all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, if and if I'll tell you what, if they if they blow it out of the water, if they blow that Jack Smith case out of the water, this is Trump is going to just. He's going to carry that as a trophy of victory, and I'm immune. Oh, yeah. and, 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 of course, no one will say, well, that means that Joe Biden is immune, and Joe Biden could have still Team 6 eliminate all of the six Republican appointees on the Supreme Court, and there'd be, you know, but, of course, our side never does stuff like that. It's like, uh, right, but right. Tr- Trump would, th- and Trump would also take that into a next term and say, exactly, I'm king. I'm immune from everything. Now that I'm president again, I'm immune completely. So well, here's the, the question. The immunity, thing will, immunity, the immunity thing will probably have a start date of, like, November 6th, the day after the election. <laughs> yeah, we you, start, know, you can so start being way, immune. Yeah. You know, well, well, you know what? Here's a, here's a question, Dave. Go. Here's a question. I heard Eric ask you this also. What the hell are we going to do? What the hell are we going to do? Uh, I'm not even sure if, uh, you know, whether Trump, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to win the election. But that doesn't mean he won't be installed again somehow. They, they'll find a way. This is, the, this is the where the hell this country has gone. The courts are going to find a way to have things the way they want, the way six people uh, six uh, right-wing justices on the Supreme Court want it. This is not the people's. This is not the people's uh, uh, go- uh, governance by, uh, of, by, and for the people. This is governance by whoever can stack the court the way they want it to. And this is really upsets me because of my, you know, my longtime interest in the court, the constitutional law. I mean, my law, my law interests are in constitutional law and the Supreme Court. I'm kind of a Supreme Court specialist, but uh, th- they are going to. They are so far outside there. It's like they are using the Marbury versus Madison. You know, we, we're the ones, we're the deciders. That's the case that they said, we're the deciders. And they're, they're taking it to an extreme to say, well, and, and they're, they're so glib. They're so, uh, 
uh, with their wording. They, these are just wordsmiths who can make anything, say anything. That's why I think the, the Constitution and all these opinions should be written in Latin because you can't get away with this crap in, in, in Latin that you can in English. I mean, they will twist things, and they have, and they have a case about overturning the Chevron rule, uh, Chevron doctrine. They probably will. Um, but anyway, let's also think about what are our options? What could we do? What kind of court reform could we could we think about? I have some ideas. Uh, maybe I'll talk about. But think about that for um, you know coming up here this week and and on you know upcoming shows. I, I'll talk about some of my ideas in a, in a little yeah. while. But um, the, um, I know that if you happen to catch, you know, I think it was last week, the great. The great Ellie Mistal talked about that with the six judges. He said that they're no longer conservative judges. He said that there are six Republicans who happen to wear a robe, you know, pretty much. Yeah, you know? yeah that's right. And, that's uh, right. They are, that's right. They are Republicans in robes. They are making political decisions that are for political purposes. Uh, and I don't know that, I mean, okay, for instance, here's a rule I would have. Um, this court is overturned. You can always tell an activist court. They're always they're always the uh, conservative courts. They're highly activist because they overturn a lot. They overturned Roe versus Wade after Sandra Day O'Connor, you know, twice saved women. Uh, now that she's gone, and she was the first woman on the court, but they got rid of her. But how about this? Okay, the Janus decision. This was the decision about um, uh, uh, public unions and uh, fair share dues contributions. Janus was the case. It was in Illinois about the. Uh, uh, it took in 2018. Uh, yeah, this was okay. In in 1977, there was a case called Abood versus Detroit School Board, and that was where the court again, a conservative court, six three six Republican appointees to three Democratic appointees. That court was a nine to zero ruling that you had to pay fair share dues nine nothing, and this court comes okay. along with a five to four ruling. That no, you don't. The, the, if you're, the, if you're, you don't have to pay fair share dues. The union still has to represent you, but you don't have to pay squat. You can be a big pain in the butt, and you still don't have to pay anything. So here's what you have: you have the original nine who voted for share, fair share dues, and the four that were in the minority in the Janus case. So you have thirteen to five, right? Uh, one rule I would, I think, Congress should make is you can't overturn a previous case if you don't have it uh, have more votes than the other case than the previous case did. So if you want to overturn, uh, say, a 5-4 ruling, you have to overturn it 6-3, to three, or at least 6-3. to three. If you want to overturn a 6-3 ruling, you have to overturn it at least 7-2. to two. That would be a law that yeah. I think Congress could make. That would be one. Yeah, and I think uh, also back to what Elliot Missal said, too, that, that, or others have said that, that the, the Supreme Court, too, they want to put Trump in there because guys like uh, Thomas and um, Alito and these guys, they want to retire out under a Republican president. They yes, that's another, I have another idea for, yeah, we'll talk about, I'm gonna talk, I have an idea about how to stop that, too. That's that's a good point, too. I want to, I've got a couple of reforms I'll talk about in the in the last segment, but, um, yeah, it's a problem. Enough. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. A couple, couple quick things. I know we've got other callers. Sure. Don't forget yeah. under, when uh, President Obama, Mitch McConnell, when he was in there, he was uh, slowly he was scooping in all those lower courts, stacking them lower courts with judges that side. And the, our Democratic uh, 
yep. senators and stuff. They didn't do nothing because like I'll use our own senator, uh, Dick Durbin. Like, he's in a right. true blue state. He's not, you know, he ain't got no competition. He didn't care, but he's on yep. the, uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it, the, with the judges in that judicial. And that, and that. That's right, Mitch, McC- yeah, right, Mitch, or Mitch McConnell, Stonewall, all of the judicial appointees, yeah. Yep, but it, he was slowly stacking them up, and now we're, now we're paying, uh, you know, paying the price. And then, uh, lastly, talking about with Orrin uh, Hatch and stuff like that with, and with uh, President Obama when he first got in, I think what it was is they played him. I mean, they think yes. this is like our first term, first term senator, you know, doing. You know, coming in and uh, doing his, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, Paul Simon number, you know, just first term in and run for president and that. And he got, he got playing, put it that way, you know, that, you know, we're going to, we're going to only allow this guy. And deep down, they knew they were going to. And then, uh, all in the time and that. And then he, because uh, he did have a, uh, uh, Democratic uh, majority for a very short drink of water. That's why you had the Blue Dog Democrats and that's and yeah, that's the that uh, bottom. But he could have, you know, I was always surprised for him being a constitutional co- scholar. He did, you know, he yeah. really seemed, you know, uh, dumbfounded by this stuff. You know, like like he was in the deep end of the pool. You know. Yeah, he, he exactly. He, he did not. Yeah, he wasn't forceful. He wasn't. A powerful, yeah. forceful enough, and and yeah, I mean, he well knew what his options were. I have no doubt, but he didn't want to be. I, I think he didn't want to be seen as this uh, angry black man or somebody who was just making trouble. I, I think that was a lot of it with him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're. I, he didn't stand up for himself. That's true, and I think yeah, he, um, he, he got a point on that. He was kind of betwixt and between, but you know, yeah. he was the one that told us he wanted to follow. Like FDR, in that were well, a make, yeah. you know, make yeah. do this make, and then when we did it, then he came up and lectured us, like you know, so what do you want? So it's like um, I don't yeah. know, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you though know, too. What you being betwixt and between on that too, looking like you know, the angry black man, you know, in the one hand, but uh, trying right. to balance the thing. So anyway, so listen, let me get off. I know you probably got other callers wanting to put in, so. Uh, okay. Good, Thank, good thanks, Dave. Have yeah. a good week. Have a good week, Paul. Okay. Thanks, you. Okay, uh, Rose, I'll I'll get to you right after the break. I want to give you lots of time. Obviously, we're up against the break right now. And uh, we'll get to your call, and then I will talk a little bit about some of the reforms that I had uh, in mind for the court, too. So, so uh, we'll take that after the break in about two minutes. We'll take Rose right after that. Okay? Be right back. Here uh, we have uh, finishing up here last segment here on Kitchen Table Progressive here on uh, AM eight twenty WCPT Chicago's Progressive Talk Paul Richardson with you this evening uh, March the third uh, hey guess what it's only sixteen more days to spring spring comes in early this year comes in on the nineteenth is the equinox hits in so uh, let's let's hope it uh, let's hope it's going to start you know getting nicer and warming up for us but in the meantime uh, let's get right to our our next caller, uh, Rose, wants to talk about the Supreme Court. Rose, 
Are you there? Hello. Hi. Hi. Yes. Hi. Thanks for calling. Thanks. I was, um, you know, I was gobsmacked like so many people this week when they when the Supreme Court said yes, we'll we'll take the immunity case and you know have arguments April twenty second and and then they're saying oh probably be the decision will be decided in the end of June when all this and I'm like. I'm like, well, why do they need all that time to just say the obvious that he doesn't get immunity? And then it occurred to me, they probably will give him immunity. They will come up with whatever idea, whether it's six three or five four. But it's like I was, I was trying to count the the numbers, like who would be, who would be, you know, thinking that. What, what we all think is would be um, you know accepted law, but he shouldn't be above the law. You know, in this case of inciting a inciting a, a riot or a coup or whatever term they use. Um, so I'm just like I think they're just going to give him immunity, whatever crazy idea they can come up to to justify it. I, I think you might be right about that. And there's and there's let me give you. A, uh, scenario of what I think they might do. First of all, I, the one reason I think you might be right is that in order to, to grant certiorari or you know, take the case, it has to be four justices who want to who, who vote to hear the case. Okay, right. they I've have at that, least yeah. so they have at least four, but they probably mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. at least five. They probably have five because uh, the analysis I have uh, heard is that. If they only had four, they'd have let the case, the the DC case, go forward, and and then mm-hmm. and then and then talk about the immunity before. But they have put a stay on the case, so that probably takes five. Maybe there are six. And you're right. What kind of nonsense are they going to come up with? Well, it probably hinges around what I've said about what the DC court said. A DC circuit appeals court said. Uh, he was way out of bounds when he, you know, when he did what? See, they're not clear about this. When he incited an insurrection. Well, you know what they're going to do? This is what, what conservatives always do. They change the subject. They say, well, he was, you know, uh, he was well within his duties as president when he was brushing his teeth. I mean, they'll change the, they will change the, the what? They will change the what? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They, will, they, will, sure. they will cite something. They will, they will not even cite January 6th. They won't even, because have you noticed that no one's talk, talked about it? They didn't even talk about it in the oral arguments about the Colorado case. They did not even talk about the merits of whether or not Donald Trump engaged in insurrection. They talked about all mm-hmm. of these institutional problems about, well, should one state be determining the outcome of the election? Well, actually, that all states do. That's kind of like saying, should one voter determine an election? Well, we all do. All of us voters do. And that wouldn't be one state. They didn't have that problem with Florida, right? That was one state. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all, one state, um, one state could in any election determine the outcome, depending on where one, how one state goes. Uh, but to say those kinds of questions, they will come up with some kind of uh, nonsense that is, which I think will be, they'll say he was, he was within his, uh, within the uh, duties of his office when he did something that isn't even what we're talking about. And therefore, yeah, I, but otherwise, mm-hmm. but that's not what he's being prosecuted for. I mean, you have right, to say that right. he was, you have to, they have to speak to, well, what is he being prosecuted for? 
does he have immunity? Um, you know, and I'll tell you what makes me so angry about this, the whole January 6th, and maybe you've heard me talk about this story. Was when, uh, Jim asked me if I'd ever been to Washington, D.C. Yeah, and I stayed in the worst Holiday Inn ever. Uh, it was when my, parents, my mom took us to Washington, D.C. when I was 11 years old in the summertime, and it was just about as, uh, it was so hot, it was un- unbearable. Uh, but, and our, our room didn't have any air conditioning. Uh, it was like, how could this possibly be? But um, when I, my brother, my younger brother, he was eight years old. I was 11. When we went to the Capitol, we, we'd sort of had enough of sightseeing. And we were in the rotunda. And we were chasing each other around and pushing each other and punching yeah. each other and ho- hiding behind things. And, and all of a sudden, this mean lady, like a school principal type lady, in a, she was in a blue blazer and a, and a skirt. And she had a, a pin on, a Capitol pin on. And she grabbed us and said, boys. This is the United States Capitol building. You will not behave like little, little whatever she called us. Uh, and and she was like, I was scared. You know, I was like, uh oh, she's going to take us. In. She said she was going to take us in her office. I didn't know what that meant. I just know that. And, she, and then and then she said, Where are your Where are your parents? And I said, My mom's over there. And my mom acted like she didn't know us. And <laughs> she's like, and then a Capitol guard came over. And he said, Is the problem here? And uh, and this lady says, this boy, these boys need to, uh, you know, need to be with their parents. And and then the, he was the, the guard was really nice. He says, okay, guys, come on, let's go find your mom. And uh, so we walked over. He says, okay, just told my mom, just make sure the boys stay with you, you know. And he was real nice. But I was like, she told us that if we acted like that, she would throw us and our parents out. And when I see adults in there acting like hoodlums and heathens and smearing feces all over the walls of our our people's house no i have no sympathy for anyone who was involved and i really don't have sympathy for the guy who incited it none yeah yeah no i agree I, I don't know if this is would this just end the uh, the whole case that Jack Smith is has a you know put together to try and uh, you know to try and prove that he's he is guilty. I don't know what what happens then. Well, if they, I I, I don't know. I've I I hear analysts say like in the well, let's look at it. Like I said, they can't do anything about the. The uh, campaign finance hush money case that Alvin Bragg is prosecuting on the 25th of this month, at least they, ha- they haven't put a stay on that because they can't. They don't have a good reason. Mm-hmm. They don't have a good. Okay, so if they give Trump immunity, or at the very least, they're, they're staying this so that it will not be, you know, it probably will not be tried before the election. And then Trump has a chance of getting in there and then, of course, wiping it out. And, of course, now they're working on. The Fonnie Willis case, that's the other uh, state case. Uh, of course, Aileen Cannon, uh, Judge Luce Cannon in Florida, is doing her part to totally, totally put off. And by the way, justice delayed is justice denied. We, the people, have a right to have these cases heard. And the court, we, we do have a right. If I may, if I re- may remind everybody, we had a president who said, the people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Well, he was a crook, though. It turned out he was. 
I mean, okay. he never. there was never a trial, but he accepted a pardon from Gerald Ford, and a pardon is an admission of guilt. You, in order to accept a pardon, you have to assign an admission of guilt, which he did. So, yeah. And Richard Nixon, I have to say, he wasn't anything like Donald Trump. I mean, I remember just being so uh, you know, anti-Nixon for, for what he didn't even – he was only involved in the cover-up later. He wasn't involved in ordering the break-in. He wasn't involved in the stuff that the Republicans were doing. He was involved in covering it up because it's – it's like this. He was involved in covering up the break-in like Trump was involved in covering up COVID that he knew about. Mm-hmm. But which is worse? I mean, covering up COVID was a whole hell of a lot worse than covering up the break-in. But, it, yeah, so uh, we have a right to know. We, the people, have a right. The right to speedy trial applies to the people, too. We, the people, have a right. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, we're saying that Donald Trump, is, is he gets all this delay while being out on bond indefinitely. Well, if you need more time in a case, uh, you can get more time. Your, your, your lawyer can get more time from the court, but normally that means you spend the interim in jail. You mm-hmm. don't get to have more time. You don't get to have more time while you run freely about, right? Campaigning for president. Mm-hmm. That's not the way more time works. I mean, more time says, okay, you need more time. Well, but your terms of release uh, are revoked. If you want more time, you don't just you don't get to you don't say okay. Here's your bail, and uh, by the way, oh you want you want to hear it? Uh, when's convenient for you? Uh, <laughs> two years from now, the twelfth of never. No, you don't you don't get to tell the court twelfth of never is convenient for me, and I and I'm out on bond. They should increase your bond is what they should do. The more time you want out, the more it should cost you. As a matter of fact, I just heard this week he was running around in Michigan uh, saying, uh, you know, I'm out of bond. Nobody else has to pay bond. They're just released. Now he was saying that he's saying that he's been indicted for us. Uh, I don't know what what did we do? What did we do that we he's being indicted? He's he's our Messiah. He's the one he, the, during a Lenten season here. He's he's going to take our nail. He's our he's our Jesus. He's gonna he's gonna take the cross for us. And and he's bitching that he had to he had to post bond what nobody else does. Well, I'll tell you. I hope he's not talking for any. I hope he's not for, talking for anybody who's black. He was just talking about he's the blacks are all for him because this is the way they're treated. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think any black people get out, get out on bond for indefinitely. I don't think they ever have the money to post bond. Most poor black people or poor people, whether they're white, black, or whatever color you are, don't have money to post bond. They stay in jail while they're waiting trial. I'm sorry. Donald Trump, I, I know I'm ranting here, but anyway, uh, I appreciate your, your sentiments. It's, it is a very distressing, and we need to... Um, have some we, we need to have some reforms on the court what do you think about that oh yeah no <laughs> i don't have any legal background but you know so whatever you recommend or as and many of these others would be you know but it's yeah it's just depressing that you know that it isn't so just obvious it should be obvious <laughs> that, that these that these um you know, court cases should go forward. That's what it seems like. It just seems so right. obvious that. Well, you know, let me just let me suggest a couple of, yeah. of reforms. So, one, uh, I would great. say that federal uh, federal court federal uh, judges are appointed for life. I would say one, if you decide to retire before you die, because for life means until you die. 
If you want to retire, <laughs> then you give up your, your, your seat, your bench seat stays open until the next president. So you can't do this. Uh, I want to retire under a certain ty- a certain president. If you retire, your bench seat stays open until the next president takes office. That's the one thing I would do. I'm not too sure if, I, if that's a, I haven't thought that completely through. The other one I would like to see is it does no good to just expand the court to say 13 because as soon as one party or another gets seven, you know, then that's that's a that's a packed court. It's a, they're going to do it. It's a political court. So what I would do is. I would expand the court to 15 and then draw, uh, draw benches of nine from 15. In other words, it'd be like dealing cards. So if you look at how many ways are there to deal nine judges from a deck of 15, it turns out there are 5,005 different ways to do that. And we would have 5,000 different permutations of benches of different judges it wouldn't just be the same you know the way it is now oh did i okay there we go it looks like uh that's gonna do it for us this evening i had some kind of funny glitch on my end but i think you can still hear me because i can still hear you anyway um Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's it's been an interesting week, and I'm sure it's going to get more that way as uh, as time goes forward. It's uh, you know going to be a long season till November 5th. Uh, so anyway, um, join us again uh, each Sunday night at 6 p.m. Immediately following the family meeting for Kitchen Table Progressive, I'm your host Paul Richardson, uh, and we will see you next time right here on uh, AM 820 WCPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter, right here at heartlandsignal.com. We'll see you next time.